Amen. You can be seated. Are you blessed to be in a place where the name of Jesus, the powerful name of Jesus, is lifted up? Uh, what, what joy there is in bringing together, amen, in bringing together our voices and our hearts as he inhabits the praise of our people. We're in a series that I have called Kingdom Culture. We're going to be studying through the Sermon on the Mount, the Sermon of All Sermons, uh, for a few weeks, a few more weeks. We've got a little bit ahead of us, and it's a great joy. I'm going to be talking about the momentum of mercy uh, on this weekend. And I want to do something a little bit different this weekend. Well, Pastor Jeff, you do that almost every weekend. So I'm going to do something a little bit different, and uh, let me explain it. Um, there's a, a very popular um, book called The Message Bible, and you may have seen it, uh, and uh, you may have, have received one. We handed these out at one time uh, in church because we received a blessing of a whole lot of these, and it's an amazing tool uh, to use. Uh, it's a very popular paraphrase of the Bible, uh, and I, I want to read from that uh, on this weekend, but let me just preface that by saying uh, this is not a translation, it is a paraphrase. Uh, and it was done by Eugene Peterson. It's very engaging, very enlightening, some of the things that we find in it. But it's not a good study Bible uh, for us. But it's an, an, an amazing thing to engage us in a way uh, that maybe, especially if we've heard scriptures over and over and over again, that's really why he wrote it. Uh, many times people will hand this Bible to someone and say, uh, maybe you would like this kind of Bible because you've never liked any other kind of Bible. This is, this is really um, a tool for believers, and that's the way that he designed it. I love it because the abbreviation is MSG, and you may know that MSG is also the abbreviation for something called monosodium glutamate. And I think that's really kind of helpful. You may remember this product called Accent. I know my mother used it when I was growing up a lot. It's, it's labeled as a flavor enhancer. And I think that really is helpful for us in understanding the MSG version of the Bible. Because MSG is good in some small doses, but if you, if you eat a lot of it, it'll make you sick. It'll make you feel sick. Uh, I, I looked it up just to see. I had heard this and I had experienced it a little bit. But if you, if you take too much MSG, you'll get... Headache, flushing, sweating, facial pressure and tightness, numbness, tingling, burning of the face, neck, rapid fluttering, heartbeats, palpitations, chest pain, nausea, weakness, blurred vision. But your food will taste great. So it's like a lot of those drugs they advertise on television. Same thing with the Bible. I think it is an amazing tool for us as a flavor enhancer, but just in a little bit, a little dose uh, and we're going to read our Beatitudes because I did not know this. Eugene Peterson, this is where he started. This is where he started the Message Bible. He sat down at his kitchen table and he said, how can I make these words we've heard and heard and heard and heard alive for people? And I want to read for you uh, what he came up with, uh, the paraphrase that he came up with. So let's give our attention as we hear this paraphrase uh, of the Word of God. You're blessed when you're at the end of your rope. With less of you, there is more of God and His rule. You're blessed when you feel you've lost what is most dear to you? Only then can you be embraced by the one most dear 
to you. You're blessed. When you're content with just who you are, no more, no less, that's the moment you find yourselves proud owners of everything that can't be bought. You're blessed when you've worked up a good appetite for God. He's food and drink in the best meal you'll ever eat. You're blessed when you care. At the moment of being careful, you find yourselves cared for. You're blessed when you get your inside world, your mind and your heart put right. Then you can see God in the outside world. You're blessed when you can show people how to cooperate instead of compete or fight. That's when you discover who you really are and your place in God's family. You're blessed when your commitment to God provokes persecution. The persecution drives you even deeper into God's kingdom. Not only that, count yourselves blessed every time people put you down or throw you out or speak lies about you to discredit me. What it means is that the truth is too close for comfort and they are uncomfortable. You can be glad when that happens. Give a cheer even. For though they don't like it, I do. And all heaven applauds and know that you are in good company. My prophets and witnesses have always gotten into this kind of trouble. Now let's pray together. Father, I thank you for this paraphrase and the creativity of it. Connect us with your word, your, your living word, in ways that change us profoundly, that reshape us, that reshape our hearts and our character and our relationships and, and the things that we hope for in life. May these, these blessings, these flourishing statements that we've been studying make those changes. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Well, I've been comparing the Beatitudes for a few weeks to rocket science because I really believe that uh, it is rocket science, the, the building of these beatitudes, these blessing statements. We started with a statement that I related to ignition. Three, two, one, we have ignition. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. It's the realization that I need all of God because I have nothing in myself. I have nothing on my own to offer. And that's the igniting point. And unless we get that, all the rest doesn't matter. Without ignition, we're sitting on the pad. We may be feeling like we're all fueled up and ready to go, but, but we're not. And then fuel is the Holy Spirit, the paraclete, meeting us at the points of mourning in our lives, of grieving in our lives. He rushes into those places. I, I loved how, how Michael put it. He, he rushes into the wounds in our lives with Holy Spirit. Those are the fueling points. And then we talked about thrust. How on that takeoff, thrust begins to happen. And thrust is the force of meekness. Jesus took the world with meekness. That was his thrust. It was amazing. He came into places saying, I don't have to prove a thing because I'm God. I came to serve, not to be served. 
the first among you is the I mean, all these incredible statements that he made to teach us. And then we began to talk about trajectory. Every rocket needs trajectory. God wants to launch you on a trajectory, on a path, on a plan that he has set for you. And trajectory is defined spiritually uh, by our position in Christ, by our momentum in Christ, by our path and our target. Those are the next four Beatitudes, so you got a little preview there. Last week we talked about our position, the fourth Beatitude. We hunger and thirst for righteousness. We have a position in Christ, and that is righteousness. We receive that by faith. We also pursue hunger and thirst after righteousness, pursuing that position. And without our position, we're just spinning. We're aimless. This week, we're going to talk about momentum that is established by mercy. It's this fifth beatitude. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. It speaks about our flight plan. We talked about this last week, Jeremiah 29, 11. God says, I know the plans I have for you. Isn't that wonderful? I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope in the future. So there's a plan. He didn't launch you saying, well, I'm, I don't know where you're going to go, but I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fire you off. No. He has a plan for us. And mercy is the building of momentum. So what is mercy anyway? I mean, we, we say the word a lot. We say it in different settings, different contexts. The word, the Greek, the Greek word, the root word is eleo. It sounds like uh-oh. Say that with me, eleo. Okay, and it means compassion or tender mercy, and it's used in two different ways in this one verse. You just just heard it said in two different ways. Eleemon it means to be merciful, to be actively compassionate in word or deed. That's merciful. The expression of divine grace is merciful. It means to have pity upon. And then it's a little slightly different form of the same word, elethesontai. I won't make you say that. (laughs) But it means to be shown mercy, to be shown the giving of compassion and pity. We're going to look at both of those. They're both really, really important. Especially that last part, they shall receive mercy. The ESV translates it, for they shall receive mercy. And I looked at the different translations. The King James says they shall obtain mercy. The NIV says they will be shown mercy. Uh, The Darby translation says they shall find mercy. I'm going, which one is it, please? And the truth is it's all of those. I looked and looked. Those are all good translations of this word. We receive, we obtain, we find uh, mercy. What we don't want to miss about mercy is that it is a primary expression of who God is. Scripture tells us, Psalm 103, the Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Let's read that out loud together. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Then in the Gospel of Luke chapter 6, it says, be merciful. Even as your Father is merciful, we are to be merciful. Well, we, we can't just ignore this. If you want to be like Jesus, you will be pursuing mercy. You will, be, you will be merciful. You will be growing in mercy. That's what we're going to talk about. Now, how is mercy different from grace? We also often talk about grace and mercy. And I, I, you may have seen this. I think it's a really good, simple explanation. Grace is when God gives us good things we don't deserve. 
And mercy is when he spares us from the bad things we do deserve. That's grace and mercy. I mean, they, they are tied together. And blessings are when he's generous with both. I think that's a good way to say it. If you want the theological spin on it, mercy is the act of withholding a deserved punishment or judgment, while grace is the endowing of unmerited favor. So we'll dig in a little bit. Merciful means to be full of mercy. That's what it means, merciful. And merciful is a change that God does in us when he pours his mercy on us. We, we may have some mercy from time to time in certain situations, but we are not born in our natural man, in our flesh, in our sinful nature, merciful. We just aren't. And so it's something that God does in us. And we have to get out of the way so that God can do the, this in us. Merciful is an expression through us of what God has already done in us. The merciful, when it talks about blessed are the merciful, uh, it means to have a forgiving spirit and a compassionate heart that expresses benevolence. That's what we're going after, or that's what we want to find, or that's what we want to discover, or that's what we want to receive. Merciful is, is more than forgiving those who are wrong. It's also empathy for the suffering that leads us to action, to have mercy upon someone that is in a bad way, a person that is needy or a group of people that are hurting, that's also mercy. So these go together. I, I, I liked it the way the MSG version, that dash of accent uh, said it, you're blessed when you care. It's a, that's so simple and straight. At the moment of being careful, full of care, you find yourselves cared for. That gets at it, they're tied together. Merciful is active. It's an active description. Merciful is an act of empathy that exerts effort and pain to feel, effort to feel the pain of another. It tries. Instead of just saying, I don't get it. I'm going to walk away. I'm not going to deal with your pain. I just can't do that. That's not an option for believers. In fact, it's an opportunity for believers the merciful empathy seeks to understand the situation of another and seeks to meet the need. Uh, the merciful empathy is what we were talking about a few weeks ago that asks questions, what's going on? And then listens, quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger in those situations that are difficult. Merciful is the opposite of being hard, unforgiving, and unfeeling. And so merciful chooses not to turn away. Some, you know, sometimes it's just easier to turn away, isn't it? And, and, and it might be from some situation that you come upon. I just don't want to deal with that or deal with those people or that kind of thing. And, and to be merciful is to be actively engaged. Merciful resists the hard-heartedness and the judgmental nature of the world. You know, it's interesting. The biggest criticism that the world makes against the church is that we're judgmental, and that's such a judgmental statement, isn't it? Isn't it amazing? I mean, there's, 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 and there's so much judgment. Boy, you, you see it in the world. There's so much judgment. And right now, it's just everywhere. To resist that. I'm not going to be hard-hearted. I'm not going to um, steal my heart just because uh, there has been criticism or something like that. Mercy is an expression of grace that forgives. That's a big part of this. You know, we hear it in Psalm 51. Uh, 
David at his lowest point, really, I, I, I can't imagine. I mean, he's, he had some low points, cried out and he said, have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Every one of us, we need mercy. Amen. I mean, we need it. And so we cry out for mercy. And mercy is the expression of God's grace that we desperately, our hearts cry out for. But mercy is also this expression of compassion toward others. We need mercy, but we, we need compassion toward others in order to be whole, in order to be a whole person. In the mercy of God, when, when we receive it, obtain it, take hold of it, changes us so that we are merciful. And the power of mercy is amazing because it short circuits judgment in us. James 2 has this amazing statement. It says, for judgment is without mercy to one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. If we learn and gain and receive and show mercy, we are not gonna be judgmental people. It just zaps that out. It it won't work. Judgmentalism isn't going to work in you or me. Without mercy, we have no kingdom momentum. So I'm going to go back to my rocket image. We may have ignition and fuel and thrust and position with Christ, but we're not moving. We're not going anywhere. Momentum is is it. I mean, are, are we going somewhere? You know, so many times uh, we, we, we talk about a, a church or a people or an individual that they've got all the doctrine right. They've got everything set. Everything's ready. And, and they're just not moving. Nothing's moving. There's no momentum. And so this is what this is about. We may be righteous and justified before God, but, but we're sitting still on the pad. <laughs> no mercy. Made me think of, uh, I don't know if any of you have ever driven on ice. I know we're in Florida. How many of you have driven on ice? Have you ever had that situation where you, you go, go to start from maybe a stoplight and the wheels just spin? You can go as much as you want and you're not getting any traction. You might go a little bit like this, but you're not going anywhere. And what do you do? You move to Florida, right? Absolutely, yeah. Floridians don't understand it. We've got a little little glide on the highways when the rains come. But, but that's where we end up. And if the enemy can get us judgmental, it short circuits our momentum. It breaks our momentum and we won't have that. And we're stopped in our tracks. In physics, momentum is defined as the strength of force an object has when it's moving. Now, I won't go a lot into physics because I don't know a lot about physics, but it's mass times velocity, and an object gains momentum as the energy increases. And as there's more and more momentum, I mean, an object becomes virtually unstoppable, and its impact becomes so very great. And this is critical in our trajectory for us to get to our Jeremiah 21:11 plan takes momentum. With more momentum, you will go farther. And the same is true in the kingdom. And so we want to take hold of that. So mercy is our kingdom momentum. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive more mercy. That's what it says. They're going to receive. They're already merciful, and they're going to receive more mercy. 
As you express mercy, God gives you more and more mercy to extend. I, I love the, the MSG. At the moment uh, of being careful, you find yourselves cared for. We get more and more. And we gain that momentum that we can extend then to others. And we become really unstoppable in terms of a kingdom force. I mean, that's a big way to say it. But God's mercy is unstoppable. I don't know if you've ever heard this question. And sometimes people will ask in a difficult situation. They may ask you or you may have heard them ask someone in a really, really tough situation. How did you become so merciful so that you could forgive such an offense? As, as a pastor, I've been in situations where I just, I just, I just didn't know how they did it. I've seen people forgive things that honestly, I don't, I could not, I don't know how I would. And I guess God would provide that. But I don't know, how did you ever get there that you could, you could extend forgiveness to a person that did that? And the truth is, if we explored a little bit, it started with mercy in a much smaller situation and then a larger situation and then a larger situation. That's the way God always works. And the truth is God does give us opportunities to grow in mercy and and we don't want to turn away from those. Why am I having this terrible time with fill in the blank? This person at work or this person in my family or whatever it is. Why am I having this hard, hard time? Well, why am I, I having this struggle? I don't, I don't want, I don't feel like Forgiving, having mercy toward this person. It's an opportunity. God wants you to grow. God, God's growing you. Isn't that good that God's growing us? Or phrased a little bit differently, the, the question might come, how did you become so merciful as to care for those people in that situation? That's so hard. It's so difficult what you do in caring for, for people in, in that situation. I was thinking about a, a, a woman that I... I know of that I grew up with from elementary school and then junior high. She's this beautiful girl. Everybody wanted to ask her out on a date and she would go out on a date, but she never stuck with anyone. She never got married. She went on this beautiful girl and, and later I looked her up all her life. She had worked with the profoundly mentally disabled, physically profoundly disabled people her whole life. And I remember when it started. In junior high school, she began to care for, for someone that she was aware of. And then she began to be part of an organization that cared for uh, people and, and organized situations and organized. And, and this became her life. It just became her life calling. Mercy begins in a small way. I've seen it in people where they have a friend and they care in a situation that's really hard. And then they grow and grow in the mercy they are able to extend in very difficult situations. It always starts in those smaller situations. But we gain momentum, the momentum of mercy as disciples of Christ over time. And mercy, it dramatically affects uh, our trajectory and our impact on the world. The Bible, in several places, points out that without mercy, our witness is flat. We, We might articulate it really well, but it's just like, oh yeah. First John 3 says it this way, but if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, he's talking to believers. If anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? I love John, he's just so blunt. <laughs> yeah. 
James chapter 2, you may be familiar with that. If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? My emphasis. (laughs) But I think he probably would have said it that way. Acts chapter 20. We must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And so we need to see that. That's an arena of mercy. So our mercy impacts in these two big arenas, forgiveness for the guilty or the perceived guilty or someone that's hurt us, and compassion for the needy. Those are the two areas. And that's where the kingdom momentum of our heart grows and is built. You know, we say, well, I'm saved and that's all I need. Yeah, but are you becoming more and more like Jesus? Are you becoming more and more merciful? Mercy, it's in a believer, it's not situational and it's not optional. We don't have the option to say, well, I'm just not that way. You're saying, I don't want to be like Jesus. I'd like to not be in the bad place. I'd like to be in the good place, but I don't want to be like Jesus because I don't have it in me, or I'm just choosing to turn away from that. It's not not something that we can pick and choose. Genuine mercy is, is really a growing function of being a disciple of Christ. More and more like Christ, more and more merciful. And mercy is a daily decision. It's a decision to receive and surrender the, the, to the mercy of God and extend that mercy. It would be a good prayer at the beginning of the day. Lord, make me more merciful in this day. And it might be aimed specifically at a situation that you're aware of. The big question in this verse that the theologians battle and struggle over, does this verse mean that mercy is conditional or even transactional? That's the big debate. So is it saying that if you are merciful, that you'll receive mercy? Can I buy the mercy of God by being merciful? And so we need to make sure we understand that's not the truth. Grace is not transactional. And so mercy cannot be transactional. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, the most quoted verse in Faith Fellowship Church, I think. I'll have you read it aloud with me in case you don't have it memorized, okay? For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not from your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. So mercy cannot be a work that earns mercy. It cannot be. Well, then how is extending mercy, being merciful, tied to receiving mercy because it's obviously in there. So let's, let's dig in on that. Jesus taught that giving forgiveness is tied to receiving forgiveness. Taught it in a couple of different places. In Matthew chapter six, he says, and forgive us, it's the big prayer that's in the next chapter, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Now, I looked in every version I could find, and I looked at the Greek because I wanted it to say, as we are forgiving our debtors, but it is a past tense. As we have forgiven our debtors, it's tied. And then in in, in a couple of verses later, he says, for if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses 
say, wow, yeah. So I want to rephrase it a little bit. This is, I think, the only way I can understand it is that the forgiveness we extend is the evidence that we have received the forgiveness of Christ. If I walk around and I'm unforgiving, it's pretty clear I have not received, I have not had poured into me the forgiveness of Christ. It may have been poured on me, but it splashed off somehow because I didn't receive it. The mercy we extend is the fruit of the forgiveness that we have received. C.S. Lewis put it in an interesting way. He said, to be a Christian, I look to see, does it say to be Christian, but it says to be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable because God has forgiven the inexcusable in you. And that's the thing that we sometimes forget. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You forgave the inexcusable in me. Maybe I can find a little mercy in this situation. See, forgiveness, it's not something that we can earn or deserve. It's by grace. Titus 3 says he saved us not because of works done, done by us, but according to his own mercy. There's a great example of this in the teaching of Jesus. I mean, I could call it kind of a favorite, but it's pretty, a pretty convicting passage. But it's in Matthew chapter 18, uh, beginning verse 23, and it says, Therefore the kingdom may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. And it's a marvelous passage. You can read it later. I put it into the electronic notes. But this wealthy king is settling up his debts with his servants. And this one man owed him 10,000 talents of silver. Everyone, their jaw would have dropped. Because it was an amount, if you measured it by days, days of working, it would take 200,000 years to pay off that debt. Wow. Or 60 million working days. In modern money, it would be 3.48 billion with a B dollars. Anybody got that in your account? Not many. And so it's an unpayable debt. Uh, and so the, the king, he realizes this guy's going to never pay this. So he says, well, I'm going to order the man sold, him and his family. He could do that. I'm going to order them sold as slaves. And then I'll get a little bit out of the deal and we'll go on to the next thing. But the servant falls on his knees. He begs and he begs. Now listen to what he begs for. He begs for more time. Just give me a little more time. A little more time. 3.48 billion. That's not bad. I'll work on it. I'll get a payment to you by next Friday. It's a joke. Impossible. And, and I, I think he, he thought somehow he, you know, he was going to repay this thing. But the king said, oh, forget it. Uh, I'm going to forgive your debt. Okay, we don't get any response until a little bit later. Servant goes out and he comes across a fellow servant who owed him a different amount, a hundred denarii, or denarii. A uh, hundred denarii in modern money is about $5,800. It's, it's not nothing. If somebody owes you $5,800, you probably would like it back. Somebody, amen? Yeah. So it's, it, it's the cost, I mean, you put that in, it, cost of a decent used car for $5,800 or a pretty nice cruise for $5,800. I'd like to get that back. And he had in mind, uh, you know, that perhaps that he was going to get this and then pay back that unpayable debt. Maybe that was it. He grabs the guy and starts to choke him 
to get what was owed to him. And then because he can't pay, he has him thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. And probably he could. He would sell some things. His family would come and try to settle the debt. Well, the king hears about this and the king calls the servant back in. And boy, his words are strong. You wicked servant. Note to self. Don't ever want to hear those words. Amen? Yeah. You wicked servant, I forgave all that debt. Should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant? And he delivers the this, this servant, the original servant, over to the jailers. And then the final, this is words of Jesus. So also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Realize what's been made available, what's been given to you, what's been offered to you, this kingdom grace, this amazing grace. And receive it and then live it. We have been forgiven an unpayable and incalculable debt. So we have no place to refuse the forgiveness that's needed by another. That's the next slide. We've been forgiven and unpayable. Why don't we read that out loud together? We have been forgiven an unpayable and incalculable debt. So we have no place to refuse forgiveness to another. Our mercy does not earn for us mercy from God. But our failure to extend mercy is the sign that we never genuinely received it in the first place. Now, I think I'm always working on this. Are you? Always working on this. You can't give away something you don't have. Got to receive it so that you can give it. And the only source of mercy in us is the mercy of God poured through us. And by the way, it's top on God's list for you. It's really, really important. Mercy is what God desires in our horizontal relationships, probably more than anything else. Jesus actually assigned it as homework. I found that kind of profound. In Matthew chapter 9, he says, go and learn what this means. And then he quotes Hosea 6, 6. Here's your homework. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. He quotes it two different times. I don't know about you, but when I was in school, if the professor said, uh, now, you need to be sure before the exam and learn this. Boy, I learned it. Amen? Yeah, yeah, that, that's a clue. Take that down and make sure you learn it. In Matthew 12, he was confronting the Pharisees. And if you had known what this means, if you had gone out and learned what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the guiltless. He's coming against them. So how do I build my mercy momentum? How am I going to do that? We go back to the launch. Of course, it starts with ignition. God, reveal to me, these are, these are prayers. God, reveal to me how desperately I need you. The fuel, Holy Spirit, come into the hurting places in my heart. The thrust, God, I choose to set aside my rights and claims and operate in meekness like my Savior. Position, Lord, I hunger and thirst for the righteousness of Christ. Clothe me with the righteousness of Christ. And that begins to set our trajectory. And then we begin with the momentum. God, I choose to receive your mercy that I may extend your mercy. I choose to receive that I may extend. And God will give you the opportunities. We just have to recognize them. Oh, 
I see what you're doing there. (laughs) And I'm going to extend mercy. Has someone hurt you or sinned against you? I mean, that would be a question to ask. In light of the enormous debt that Jesus paid, are you ready to forgive that person? My favorite um, definition of of forgiveness, and there there are a number of them that are really good, but I, I define forgiveness as when we choose to willingly bear the pain of another person's offense. So somebody has hurt you and you have a choice. You can either willingly uh, bear the pain or unwillingly bear the pain. If you unwillingly bear the pain, you get bitter. If you willingly bear the pain, you get better. It really is as simple as that. To say, okay, I can't change the pain. I'm going to bear it. And I'm not going to hold it against you. I'm not going to hold it as something that I'm going to try to get even with you or settle a score. And so, so we are set free in that. And to pray, open my eyes that I may see this person with your eyes and see that you also died for this person. The other arena, is there an area where you have been reluctant to be merciful? Some people group or some person or some situation that you've just been, I don't don't really want to go there. I don't think I, I have any mercy for that. Have you hardened your heart toward a particular group or person? And just simply to pray, God, give me empathy for that person. Give me your heart for that situation. I love this project that our children's ministry is doing. Christy is here tonight, and Christy started this project. Uh, the schools were giving food out, and they didn't need food. They, they have food. And so they started taking the food that was given out each day by the school that, that their children attend and putting it in in Ziploc bags and and putting a little note on it to carry around in the car because we've all been in that situation. We don't know what to do uh, where someone's by the side of the road or someone's needy. And and I posted that as well, Christy, and it it just, it's an act of mercy. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to fix that, but I can can express an act of mercy rather than turn away. it's, It's powerful. I mean, I just tell you, how many times have I just had to avert my eyes and turn away? Very, very difficult. Very powerful thing to teach our children. And I know immediately there were some responses on my page that said, well, you know, the mayor says that that's not such a good idea. And and I've seen some of those trashed by the side of the road. So what? (laughs) So what? (laughs) Praise God. Because I'm thankful that that the Lord is, uh, that you're listening and that the Lord is, is working Those are some of the hardest, and this will be later in the sermon. We'll deal with some of those hardest of situations. But to find that, there may be another situation where it's hard for us to feel mercy for another person, maybe because they've fallen again and again and again and again. We've been through this. We've been through this. And how do we still show mercy? Even if we are needing to show justice, to show mercy, and to pray and ask the Lord, give me empathy for that person. I've prepared a prayer. I don't do this often, but I've prepared a prayer for us to say. I would invite you to say it uh, tonight with me. Uh, and it's a prayer. It's in your, it's in your notes. And it's just a, a confessional prayer seeking mercy in our lives. And I would invite you. We can go to the next slide, I think. There we go. And so would you pray this prayer? You don't have to, but would you? I invite you to pray this prayer as we uh, join together. Father God, we confess that we are eager to receive your mercy, but slow to extend it. 
We have preferred to judge others rather than reach to them. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. Fill me with your mercy that I may have your heart for each situation that I encounter. Show me the path to forgive those who have hurt me. Forgive me my sins as I forgive those who have sinned against me. Give me a heart of empathy that will increase the momentum of mercy in my life. In Jesus' name. Father God, I thank you for the momentum you seek to build in our lives, in our families, in our church, in our community. And I pray that the momentum of mercy in the body of Christ will become so great that it is just undeniable and powerful. Lord, show us those places, show us those ways and increase that momentum. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.